The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... Really, really sad news out of L.A., and for once, it does not involve the L.A. Lakers. Paul George hurt his knee and might have just screwed up the chances for the L.A. Clippers and their title hopes. We break down the weirdest play of the year in the Mavericks-Warriors game from last night, which is now under protest. Didn't even know that was a thing, really. Jalen Brown is finally speaking And damn, does he have some shit to say, plus some more news from around the league. Less than three weeks to go, Nick, before we get into the play-in. So do me a favor and drop that generic-ass beat. Thank God when we're talking about L.A., it's not about the Lakers, which we do have something to talk about the Lakers later on the show. Uh, It's good stuff, though. Um, Paul George, who was having himself a big-time redemption arc story, playing really well, actually a likable person uh, so far this year, was awkwardly hitting the knee in a game on Wednesday and now most likely out for the year. That is rough. Left the arena in crutches. He left the arena on a cart. Shams immediately noted that the franchises had very big concerns that the injury was, quote-unquote, serious. If you watch the video of him and getting injured, don't. According to the Woj Bomb, this is the bomb. This is the sound of the Woj Bomb. PG got imaging on his knee. It revealed that he just has a right knee sprain. He will be evaluated in two to three weeks. That is a relief. That is a big-time relief because it torn something or other, meniscus, ACL, MCL, PCL, would have been a really bad situation. But... It still is not a good scenario because that puts PG perilously close to missing the first round of the playoffs, considering that evaluation, if everything goes perfect, requires a week of ramp-up just to start playing again, probably then on a minutes restriction. I'm not saying it's done for good, but the timing on the injury could not have been worse. Clippers currently just trying to stay out of the play-in tournament. That's it. They're currently in fifth place. But they're two games out of 10th place. So losing Paul George, will say, is not really great. That's how tight the West is. Kawhi is already on load management on back-to-back games. You might have multiple games now with no PG and no Kawhi and just Bones Highland. Worst-case scenario for a team that I thought could be a sleeper in the West. PG, like I said, having himself a little bit of a redemption year playing really well on the court, averaging 24, 6, and 5, 
almost 40% from three and started a podcast. That's usually you become less likable when you start a podcast. PG actually did the opposite. He leaned into the whole like pandemic P thing. He started the podcast called Podcast P. And he's actually been really insightful on there. He had this one clip earlier this week where he talked about how everyone was leaving him open when he first started playing for uh, the Indiana Pacers. And he would just shoot and his teammates would get so mad at him because he was like, but I'm open though. And he said, you know, it really sunk in when Danny Granger told me, but why do you think they're leaving you wide open? And I thought that was just such a... Such a really likable, endearing story. And he talks about how he went from being one of the worst shooters in the league to being one of the best two-way wings in the league. And, yeah, I've kind of t- come around. Fun fact, my very first episode of what was first called This League was starting out talking about how much I hated Paul George, how much of a bitch I thought Paul George was. I take it all back, Paul George. I like you now. So the clips... Clips were were already 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, and now they face the Thunder again, who they just lost to uh, when he went down. The Grizzlies twice with Jaw. The Suns, probably not with Kevin Durant, but still. The Bulls, who are playing really good basketball with Patrick Beverly. And the Pelicans twice, which I don't even know what you're going to get from that. Because maybe Zion's back, I'm hearing some whispers. Who knows? Then the Lakers. That's a scenario potentially where they might not even make the play-in game if you're talking about worst-case scenarios. Have have the Lakers had the most fluky, weird, bad luck that we've seen in terms of injuries since Kawhi got to this place? Ever since Kawhi's got there, things have been weird. I hope the Clippers last long enough for Paul George to play again because I think this team could be really great, they're really deep, but only if he's on the floor. Bomber, the, the... owner who I don't think likes me very much because he moved away from me when we sat next to each other watching Summer League. He thought he was slick. He wasn't slick, but he moved away from me. I think he's going to need to use some sort of like some sort of like voodoo magic or tarot card reader or spend the money on whatever it's going to do to get the juju, bad juju out of that building and get that franchise uncursed because it's just been one thing after another with this team and it doesn't make no sense. Moving on. Another thing that doesn't make sense was this bizarre situation that happened in last night's Warriors-Mavericks game. So I missed it live, and then I saw the hubbub on Twitter, and then I had to do some digging. This might lead to being one of only three successful team protests now in league history. What is a team protest, you might ask? No, it's not what you think it is. It's where the NBA steps in and finds a call so egregious that it makes the teams replay the game from the point of the egregious thing that happened. So this happened twice since 1982. The last time in 2008, Shaq was wrongly called for a sixth foul in the final two minutes of a game when he only had five. The game was replayed from the point of the foul on four months later after the game was originally scheduled. Weird. So what happened in this game? Well, it depends on who you talk to. The Mavericks are very certain that they were fucked over. 
very certain. The Mavericks lost the game by just two points, which really felt like more. The end of the game was, I think, five or six points. That was the the deficit. But they are currently in free fall, right? We know that. They are sitting tied for 10th. They're a half game from being out of the play-in altogether, which would be an absolute disaster considering that they went all in for Kyrie Irving and it has not worked. But the winning margin came in part because of this very strange call. So here's what happened. Five Warriors standing underneath their own basket. And Looney gets the inbounds pass, uncontested dunk. Where was the Mavericks defense on this play? Why were they not involved? Why were they seemingly on the other side of the court doing nothing? Well, because Dallas thought that they had the ball. Dallas didn't know why the Warriors were being given the ball, but the ref allegedly signaled that the ball belonged to Dallas before, I guess, correcting the call during a timeout that was also called by Dallas. The Mavs are adamant that no one told them that there was any change. You look at the spacing on the floor, even one of the officials, Michael Smith, was on the offensive end, which Jason Kidd says is evidence that there was mass confusion, not just among players, but even other officials. So now the Warriors get two free points, and that was the winning margin of a tight game. Mark Cuban, as you might imagine, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Shark Tank enthusiast, was pissed. He took to Twitter, went, put his Twitter fingers to work, and said this. For those wondering about the play with one minute and 54 seconds to go in the third, let me explain what happened. The ref called Mavs ball. The announcer announced it. Then there was a timeout. During the timeout, the official changed the call and never told us. Then, when they saw us line up as if it were our ball, he just gave the ball to the Warriors. Never said a word to us. They get an easy basket. Crazy that it would matter in a two-point game. Worst officiating non-call mistake possibly in the history of the NBA. All they had to do was tell us, and they didn't. Have you ever read something and said to yourself, like, this is a tweet that would be written by Donald Trump? Like, that is one of these situations where it's like, worst officiating non-call mistake possibly in the history of the NBA. These superlatives, they just don't stop. So you have two refs that were on that side of the court, and we had two guys at half court going to inbound. The other ref obviously thought it was our ball as well. The NBA believes no mistake was made. Shocker that the refs think that they've done nothing wrong. When asked after the game about the call, officiating crew chief Sean Wright said, initially on the floor, the original signal was, in fact, Golden State ball. This can be seen on video. They are bringing receipts. The second, There is a second signal, but that is a signal for the mandatory timeout that was due to the Mavs. So we said, yes, we pointed to the Mavs, but that was just because they fucking called the timeout. What are these guys, idiots? Were they rubes? Do they not know? So that's basically what they say. I don't understand what's going on. It feels like a mass chaos, confusion. I don't think the protest is going to be upheld. But I tell you what, I think the PA announcer is to blame because he's the one who announced it was Maverick's ball. And the officiating crew declares that was never the case. But I would say this. If you hear the announcer say, Maverick's ball, you should probably go over there and say, no, it's not. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, no, it's not. Warrior's ball. Um, 
if the game has to be replayed from the point of the mistake, you will wipe out all the scoring that happened after, and potentially that will alter both teams' futures and fortunes uh, going forward into the playoffs. And you can see from how contentious this gets, where you have the owner writing a full memo on Twitter, that the Mavericks are so desperate right now because they are in free fall. One little mistake can send you from 6th place to 10th place and potentially out of the play-in tournament altogether, right? They are 7-11 and 11 right now since the Kyrie trade. Luka's banged up and Kyrie's injured too. He's missing games. The team has zero bench. There's no chemistry between Kyrie and Luka. They're in serious danger of a, of a full collapse, a full rebuild. Luka asking out... You know Mark Cuban knows how close they are to Luca saying, get me the hell out of here, that he is clinging to every single thing he can to keep them in some sort of contention just to get into the playoff and let Luca cook. Fortunately for the Mavs, the last few games of the season are pretty easy. They have the Hornets twice, the Pacers, the Bulls, who are, by, by the way, playing pretty well with Pat Beverly, Hawks and Spurs. Pretty winnable games if Luca plays. But they do have the Heat, the Sixers, and the Kings all on the schedule as well. Another thing I think that this game showed me is that this is the third straight Warrior game that they've won now on the road. And I think the Warriors the, the warrior, the Warriors could be back. They could be back. Don't sell your Warriors tickets yet. This West is a disaster. Who is going to take the West? My guess is as good as yours, but I tell you one thing. The Dubs have championship pedigree in their blood, and they know that these these other teams are weak links. They know that these teams haven't done it like they've done it. I went on the Light Years podcast last night after the game. By the way, Kaminga was incredible. 22 points, three, uh, two threes, two steals. Just a gritty win. Probably his best game in his career. So I hop on the Warriors podcast called the Light Years Podcast, and we talked about it. Here's what we said. You look at the Denver defensive efficiency and rating over the last, like since the All-Star break, and I think they're 26th. They're giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. Uh, what does that mean for guys like Kavon Looney? Like, what does that mean? Like, so that matchup favors the Warriors. In, uh, in my opinion, it does still. You look at the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies are a two seed and you're a seven seed and you say to yourself, okay, well, we've seen this game. Like, we know what it's like to have three three-point shooter assassins on the team against a half-court offense that has no shooters. They have Desmond Bain and that's it, right? They've, that's why they – Brooks going to get some shots up. He's going to get some shots. Oh, he's going to get some shots up. So Jaw's not a three-point shooter. Uh, Dylan Brooks is not a three-point shooter. Jaron Jackson's very mid from three. And it gets extremely physical. You kind of have to give the edge and the history against the Warriors there. And then the Kings, as much as, you know, I've been a Kings backer pretty much all season. You say to yourself, okay, are we are we going to make this just like an up-tempo offensive game? Like, are the if you trust one team in a fourth quarter to get stops, which out of those two teams do you trust to get stops? I trust the Warriors to get stops, especially if you can get some version of Andrew Wiggins back. So one, two, three seeds, I still say Vegas makes the Warriors a favorite. So if it's a wide open West and there's a team that's been going to finals and finals and finals, you think to yourself, well, I don't know. I don't know. 
and and that's honestly like nothing about this team inspires hope other than the fact that everyone else inspires zero amount of hope. And I'm like, well, they really just need to get to like two thirds of who they are and they might just run the table because they're all mediocre. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's pretty much it. Everyone stinks. The Warriors have been doing this and some of these kids were in diapers and that's really it. This is probably Bob Myers last year. They're most likely going to change the roster around. Do I think that they beat the Kings in a seven-game series? I don't know. But I tell you what, they made some good points on that pod about if you get one game in Golden 1, especially if you get game one, and those those Kings fans are already worried about the shoe dropping at any moment and them reverting back to Kings behavior, you can steal their soul. Could steal their soul in 48. And at that point, anything's possible. The West is so chaotic. I think that they it's also possible the Mavs could drop five straight and drop out of the playing tournament. So that's why Cuban is so adamant about protesting this game. And it it, it underscores how important every game is when a single playoff loss for Dallas because of a referee error could put them out of the playoffs all too. Together. Fun stuff in the West. What a game. What a game. So, you know how you can sometimes hear certain players not at all? They don't say a peep for years at a time. And then... All of a sudden, the floodgates just open up and they just never stop talking. It's like, wow, you had a lot on your mind for a while. You've been wanting to spill the tea for years and you've just been playing the good soldier. That, folks, is is Jalen Brown right now. Jalen Brown has had enough. (laughs) There are multiple articles now being written about Jalen Brown. He's decided to address literally everything everywhere all at once with the ringer. There was so much tea spilled. They talked about Boston Celtics getting Kyrie and having Kyrie leave. You had the Ime Udoka stuff. I mean, it was massive. It was sweeping. Logan Murdoch did a great job. They even talked about Kanye West and his relationship to Donda Sports. I mean, it was full on. Uh, Brown was completely unapologetic, direct, as pretty much as much as you might expect him to be. He's never really spoken like this at length before. Um, but the big takeaway is really just how much the Celtics and Jason Tatum flirting with Kevin Durant fucked with Jalen Brown's head. He's already someone who said in this article, I do not trust people. I do not trust organizations. I do not trust teams. And they, they were shopping me. And then they said they weren't shopping me, and we all got, quote-unquote, on the same page. But did we? But did we, though? Like, I don't know if I believe them. When asked about his relationship with Jason Tatum, uh, he was pretty blunt. It's not going to please Celtics fans because apparently being dangled as trade bait for Kevin Durant would do that for you. He said, well, KD and JT are friends. They were working out together and whatnot, so I wasn't sure what the energy was there. I wasn't sure what the direction of the organization was. You add that to the fact that Ime Udoka, the guy that he 
promoted to get hired in the first place because they were on Team USA together, and he gets fired, and you're like, boy, I don't know what's going on with this organization. So he jumps on this three-way call with Jason Tatum and Brad Stevens, like I said. They're like, hey, Jalen, you're part of our future. No. And he was like, yeah, I'm pretty suspicious of this. And Tatum was interviewed for the piece, and he had this to say about Brown. Well, a lot of people, fans, are fascinated with our relationship and how that's developed and grown over time. He's got fans within the Celtics fan base. I've got fans within the Celtics fan base. And I think our fans have more of a hard time coexisting than me and him do. We've never had an argument. I don't think we've ever had a real argument or a fight, nothing crazy like that. Yeah! kind of weird I think that people are either team Tatum or team Brown kind of reminds me of a relationship between a passive aggressive couple who just keeps everything inside until one day one of them wakes up this morning and is like you know what you never take out the fucking garbage you know what that really and then you're just like wait what is this is this about the garbage or is this about something else it's healthy to let things out a little bit more than they have, I think. And it turns out it's not just the personal relationship with Jason Tatum that's damaged. Uh, It's his feelings for the entire organization. That might not surprise anyone based on who the Celtics are known to be and who Jalen Brown is known to be. Don't need to say more on that, but you know what I'm saying. The Celtics operate on different principles, he said. They look at it as a business where they tell you one thing and then behind closed doors they say another and they'll trade you off. They'll tell you we love you, and they'll be having like, yeah, we're going to trade him next week. Like where I'm from in the South, if you don't come through the front door, it's considered disrespectful. I feel a lot of times when you deal in these corporate spaces, everybody wants to come through the back door or come through at an angle. Yeah, Jalen Brown, I'm sorry to say that when you are dealing with trade negotiations, if the trade falls through, they need to tell you they love you. Like, that's just how it goes. Otherwise, what is this relationship left? Very tenuous situation. So much to unpack. So much damage to undo. I think Jalen Brown might be Gucci uh, on the Boston Celtics as a whole. I think he's sort of ready to move on, it feels like. It doesn't sound like he wants to be a Celtics anymore. He's a free agent after next season. If you can read the energy... JB kind of feels like he has already broken up with the Celtics unless something changes, unless he gets a Supermax contract. He's probably gone. Um, This is what he said. I just enjoy the time that you have now. If it's your whole career with Boston, it's your whole career. If it's not, it's not. Some of the greatest players of all time haven't finished with their organization. Michael Jordan retired a wizard. As much as we feel like it, we like it here and enjoy being here, you see where life takes you. You see where the process goes. All you do is really focus on what's in front of you, to be honest. I'll just say we'll get there when we get there. Oh, boy. He also said this to Logan, which I thought was even more uh, interesting. Brown was asked if he wants to stay in Boston long term. Brown says, I don't know. As long as I'm needed, it's not really up to me. We'll see how they feel about me over time and I feel about them over time. Hopefully, whatever it is makes sense. But I'll stay where I'm wanted. I will stay where I'm needed. And this is the most important line. 
and I will stay where I'm treated correct. Ooh, boy. I don't know. Hey, girl, I'm not saying we're breaking up, but you might want to get your own Netflix account. Like, I'm not saying we're breaking up, but you might want to look at some new crockpots for yourself. I'm not saying we're breaking up, but you need to decide whether you're getting the couch or the mattress. Because we're breaking up. So, I don't know. Boston and and Jalen Brown are in a real predicament. If you know he's not happy and he doesn't want to sign an extension, which, by the way, he's not going to sign an extension because he's only eligible for 125% raise. If he makes All-NBA, he's ex- he's eligible for a much higher extension. But if he doesn't make All-NBA, that's all you can offer him. And you have to wait until he hits free agency. And if he hits free agency, anything can happen. Then you add into the fact that the Boston Celtics right now don't look great with Joe Mazzulla if they get bounced early. Now you've got whispers uh, that Atlanta is keeping an eye in monitoring the Jalen Brown situation, which, by the way, Jalen Brown, as you notice, is from Atlanta. This thing could go sideways fast. Yes, the latest news, like I said, is the Atlanta Hawks are working to clear cap space, a.k.a. John Collins, with the clear intent of making a run at Jalen Brown. Things could change fast in Boston. talk about Austin Reeves because it's I think it's well past when we should have mentioned him it really has been coming since last year this is the guy that's made Laker fans stop crying about losing Alex Crusoe pretty much overnight he's been on a tear ever since returning from injury Laker Austin Reeves undrafted free agent Austin Reeves they call him I call him like the the hick Kobe Bryant or something like that. It's crazy. In his last nine games, Austin Reeves is averaging 24-6, 38% from three, and an average plus-minus of 10.8. That is sick. To just get him off the street and for him to contribute like this is insane. Better yet, though, the Lakers are 11-8 and eight since Reeves came back from injury. They are 8-10 and 10 in games he's missed so far this year. Doesn't feel like a lot until you realize that a 58% winning percentage would with him, which is where they're playing with him in the lineup, would put them squarely in fourth place in the West right now. Looking at a home series in the playoffs at Crypto.com Arena. I don't know. Could Austin Reeves be the new player to build around on the Los Angeles Lakers? Could he be the Lakers' most important piece? I don't know. I'm not saying he's is. I'm not saying he's not. But he is getting. He is scoring like a superstar, and he is getting superstar calls. In the last last four games, Austin Reeves has gone to the line 53 times. Is this man LeBron James? Is this man Kevin Durant? Who who in their right mind 
would make that script up, where the undrafted free agent is getting more superstar calls than, I don't know, Steph Curry? Let's look at Steph Curry. All right, so last four games, Austin Reeves has gone to line 53 times. Steph Curry, 12 times in his last four games. For comparison, our guy Sam Espendiari from the Light Years Podcast tweeted this out. Curry, 45 drives, two free throw attempts. Austin Reeves, 50 drives, 16 free throw attempts. Curry passed 16 times on those drives. Reeves passed 17 times out of those drives. So, in other words, Austin Reeves right now is getting superstar calls from the refs as an undrafted free agent. He is going to the line an average of 13 times per game. Joel Embiid currently leads the league in free throw attempts at 10 per game. Austin Reeves is getting better calls, a better whistle than Joel Embiid. This is insane. Yes, he gets more offensive calls, plays call for him when LeBron is out, of course. He's averaging 9.5 points per game when LeBron is playing and 16 points per game when LeBron is out. But that does not diminish what our hillbilly Kobe has been up to this season. He has got the nearly the same winning percentage as LeBron has when he plays this season. 509 winning percentage versus Bron's 511 winning percentage. The Lakers win pretty much in every scenario with Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves in total is 28 and 27. Reeves without Braun is 12 and 11. Reeves without AD is 7 and 6. Reeves with D'Lo is 7 and 4. Reeves with Vanderbilt 11 and 6. If you look at Austin Reeves com- completely for the year, he has a plus 107 for the season. That's top 50. This man, this man is called the Hillbilly Kobe. That's top 50. If we redrafted, I thought about this. I went to the 2021 draft, which is the year that Austin Reeves was eligible to be drafted but not drafted. If you look at it, which was a loaded draft, by the way, he probably is a mid-first rounder in one of the most stacked drafts in history where you're going over. He probably gets drafted over Jalen Suggs, probably gets drafted over Zaire Williams, James Booknight, Josh Primo, Chris Duarte, Moses Moody, Moses Moody, Corey Kispert, Maybe Davion Mitchell. That's crazy. So the Lakers live or die not with AD or LeBron, but rather a 24-year-old undrafted kid from the Hollers of Arkansas. The NBA's Western Conference. It's just very weird right now. It's very strange in the West. I don't know what's going on. Script writers are on drugs. Let's move on. Kitty cat. Kitty cat is back. Carl Anthony Towns makes his return last night after missing a total of 52 games. 52 games is how long ago he went down. Time goes fast in the NBA. So there was a lot of drama about how bad the injury was, as you guys know. It was a grade three calf strain, but the Wolves tried to downplay it. They said it was a grade two calf strain, but he's finally back. Chris Finch put the ball in Carl Anthony Towns' hands against the Hawks with 3.1 seconds left, and I'll be damned, it worked. Carl Anthony Towns ends up going to the free throw line, pulling off a 125-124 victory over Atlanta, which I thought that they would lose. He had 22-4-3. He had two steals, played very well within himself for a first game back. But more importantly, the Wolves need somebody that they can rely on at the end of games because, boy, oh, boy, they are teeter-tottering 
looking from the outside in. Eight games left. More than enough time for Carl Anthony Towns to shake off the rest. But with Anthony Edwards out with an ankle injury, man, the Wolves are not healthy. If they could get Ant-Man back in time, maybe they're dangerous in the playoffs. Remember, they did take the Memphis Grizzlies into a very, very tough series. Going to be fun to watch. Not a lot of falderall about Carl Anthony Towns back. I'm happy to see him on the court again until the offseason when, of course, you'll see trade rumors heating up where he'll play in 2023-2024 because most likely the Wolves, I think, will move him. But shout-out to Carl Anthony Towns coming back into the lineup. Shout-out to Carl Anthony Towns doing something in a late-game scenario, even if it is the regular season, and the regular season doesn't matter whatsoever. Moving on. Shaden Sharp. So I think people downplay this man. People are slandering Shaden Sharp's name for no reason. Yes, he is not a Rookie of the Year candidate. Yes, he's not as good right now as Paolo Bencaro or Benedict Matherin or even Jalen Williams. But man, last night, best game of his young career, six start, 40 minutes. He was a plus 28. But here's the thing that was more exciting. 24-9-3, and nine rebounds. That's ridiculous. 24, nine rebounds, three assists, and four steals for Shaden Sharp. That's a 19-year-old kid just putting up buckets, beating a Utah Jazz team that is very tough. Very tough. I think right now this Shaden Sharp performance, to me, he's on a no-trade list. Blazers are a tanking team. They are not going anywhere. They need another star. And you know what? In order to get another star, we're not trading Shaden. That's it. Not for OG Ananobi, not for Pascal Siakam, not for Andrew Wiggins, no one. I think right now you're looking at a kid. I'm going to predict it. Shaden Sharp is going to be one of the most talented people in the NBA, period. Hands down. 6-6. His ceiling is the roof, as they say. With only 10 games left in the season, there's not going to be a play-in for us. I know that. I want him to start every single game. I want to see more Shaden Sharp development. He's strapping. His defense looks really good. I want to see what he will do with 35 minutes a game. Dare I say numbers like that will be the norm. Do not stunt this kid's development. Allow him to grow. Allow him to flourish. I know Damian Lillard looks more impatient than I am about the Blazers. He's starting to get frustrated again, but I haven't been this excited about a Blazers player since Dame. Unless, of course, we get Victor Wambayama, and then everything changes. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Check back Tuesday for an all-new episode. Do not forget to watch the feed. Please follow us as the NBA season heads towards the playoffs. Please download. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. Tell your friends about the podcast. If you like the NBA, I think we do a pretty good job of covering all the topics, big and small, tea and nerd stuff. Follow us on social. Even if TikTok gets banned in the United States, I'm moving to Canada. I'm going to start making TikToks from Canada. (laughs) And follow us also on the places that aren't getting shut down too. On Twitter, uh, on Instagram, maybe on Facebook. Maybe I'll start taking my my takes to, to Facebook. Uh, Because the heat check never sleeps. Not even when the government's trying to shut my favorite social media platform down. That's all we got. 